the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Fascinating days, of course. Amazing days. Uh, Great to be with you to talk about what's happening and uh, to spend some time together. We got two great interviews uh, in a few minutes. We'll talk with Mike Davis, who is at the uh, Article 3 Project. He's kind of the expert. He's from Iowa originally, became a lawyer, clerked, I think, on the U.S. Supreme Court, or if not the U.S. Supreme Court, maybe clerked for the Court of Appeals, and then worked for Chuck Grassley. He's been involved in the sort of all the highest profile appointments. His name is Mike Davis, and he runs Article3Project.org. Uh, also, there's something through that website called JudicialTracker.com, which really will show you how uh, the judges have been impacted by President Trump's winning uh, his his election plus the Republican Senate. Pretty extraordinary. And then we'll also, <clears throat> excuse me, talk to a new guest, Mr. Anthony Cabasa. He's the state chairman for California of the Republican National uh, Hispanic Assembly. Uh, fascinating group, conservative uh, center right group. He's the president. We'll talk with him about that. We'll talk with him about uh, some of his Twitter feed, which is an awesome Twitter feed, and a lot more. So we'll talk with him in a few minutes, too. So we'll get to that. Before we do... I need to tell you what you need to know. What you need to know today, what you need to know. Well, it's all coronavirus, isn't it? It's all coronavirus. And uh, let's just make sure that we pull back a little bit and that we are aware uh, that it is important not to panic. Okay? Now, I, I, I have to say... The media is so hard to trust, right? It's so hard to trust the media in anything. And so it's um, it's almost impossible to feel good about what you see on TV and in the newspaper because you just feel like they're lying to you. Who's not lying to you, in my opinion, is Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks and President Trump and Vice President Pence. Even if you don't like them, and I think most of the people that are listening to the program probably do, but even if you don't like them, my encouragement to you is is pull back and think to yourself, is there any way that these men and women want this to happen, want the economy to tank? There's just no way, right? If there was a way to do something different, this is not a... Um, this is not an easy one to sort of set up and then get a victory from, right? It's not obvious. I mean, I just think it's crazy. Stock markets, you know, down and up and down and up, but it's really at historic lows, the drops over the last week or so. So the first thing, though, is we have to not panic. Panic comes from fear, right? Panic comes from fear. So does anger. So does uh, some of the other emotions, you know, that, that come out. of. But fear, if you're afraid of the unknown, if you're afraid of the future, you get to be panicked, you get to be angry, you lose control. We have to be, in this country, well-adjusted. 
And we have to be well adjusted. And I was given a talk. I was on. So let me pause for one second. You know, my day job is as the president of the Phyllis Schlafly organization, Eagle Forum, it's called. And we have Eagle leaders all across the country. You, you often hear Woody Woodrum, who's our California state leader. He's on the program. He's down here in San Diego. You'll hear me talk to Tammy Nichols out of Idaho. And you'll hear me talk to uh, Molly McCann in Virginia, all these different leaders across the country. And so the fact is that we... We deal with people all across the country, and our talent, our uh, specialty, if you can say that, is that we are grounded in uh, God, family, and country in that order, and that we believe in the American exceptionalism as embodied in our Constitution and our rule of law. And if you go from what I just said, God, family, country, and the rule of law embodied in our Constitution, you got it all about why America is exceptional. And if you take away any one of those, God, family, country, or our exceptionalism uh, that through our rule of law and the Constitution, if you diminish any one of them, it's a problem. You know, it, it doesn't make it impossible to succeed, but it makes it harder. And so what I'm telling you now, again, is that we're in the midst of this uh, situation where more and more people are being diagnosed with a bad virus. It's a bad virus. It's a virus that spreads a lot. It's really bad for seniors. And we have to do everything we can to flatten the curve and get ready for this problem. And so don't panic. And so here's what I want to tell you about being vigilant. Being vigilant. So don't panic because panic is from fear. It's come fear of the unknown. And we don't want to panic. But we want to be vigilant. So no panic, but yes to vigilance. And the vigilance is like head on a swivel. If you ever played sports, you'd sometimes in sports, head on a swivel. If you're playing uh, football and you got a coach and you're like a linebacker, I used to like to play linebacker, head on a swivel, right? Playing basketball and you're playing uh, defense, you're head on a swivel. I guess I like to play defense more than I like offense, but head on a swivel. We have to be vigilant in our country right now, vigilant for what could be to make things better. So what does that mean? We have to be vigilant about our elders, who's around us, vigilant about the weak, the infirm, who's who's broken, who might need help, you know, people that have diseases, homeless people. We got to be vigilant. We have to have a head on a swivel. But we also have to be vigilant for around us, for people that lose their way. And by that, I mean, we have to watch out for our, our legislators and our governors going too far. And let me tell you one thing that you should be aware of. It's a very important thing. Anything that's temporary, the danger is it becomes permanent, right? If you pick up a habit and and it's not yet a habit, you just start to say, well, I'm just going to have, instead of having a sandwich and an apple and a a glass of juice for lunch, I'm going to start to have a a, a ring ding and a candy bar and and a soda. And if you do it for a week, it's bad for you. But if you do it for a month, it starts to become a habit. So there's a difference between temporary and a habit. And especially when it comes to government, our government wants to turn things into habits, into ways of being that should be temporary. And so this is what you need to know. Our vigilance as to our government acting to keep us safe needs to include a very clear, very clear understanding that we are willing to accept temporary changes to our way of life. Don't go out to big restaurants. Don't go out to big meetings. You know, stay inside, stay home from work. Temporary, even if it's for a month or two, but not permanent. 
We're not willing to let our government shift the way we're living because of the fear of what's happening. We have to be careful. Here's a second one. We're going to watch as a bunch of people who are in real need and industries are in real need are going to get what looks like a big old bailout, a stimulus bailout. And I hate everything about it. I got motivated by the Tea Party in 2009 because of the stimulus bill. And I'll hate it again. But I can see I'm a little older maybe. Even then I could see to stabilize the markets. But here's the thing. If we let our government use this crisis to do permanent things, not temporary, to change the way we live, it's very dangerous and we have to be vigilant. So you'll hear people say, well, some people need a payment, a cash payment. I hate the idea. I'd rather have tax uh, uh, credits, but I, but I, but if it's going to happen, someone has to stand up and, and yell over and over. It has to be temporary. It has to be temporary. We cannot let life change. The changes that need to take place in our community that are permanent have to do with looking out for each other, have to do with having our head on a swivel for each other, have to do with uh, honoring our elders and those that are infirm. I mean, think about what could happen after this terrible disease. We could be better about our hygiene, better about our eating, better about our health care. And we'll talk in a, I'll talk at the end of the segment about some ideas on health care that my friend, uh, Dr. John Morley and my wife have told me we could be better on health care, but we could be also better on the on the on the biblical admonishments, a biblical uh, uh, direction to honor our elders, to take care of those in need to take care of those that are are, are left uh, behind. All those things are possible if we use this time to turn towards our vigilance towards each other and towards the future and towards God, country, God, God, family, and country in that order. But we have to be vigilant, too. I mean, what you need to know is we as citizens have to be vigilant. Afraid is bad. Fear is bad. But vigilance is good. So I hope you'll take that to heart. That's what you need to know. All right. When we take it, we'll take a break. We'll come, come back and talk about judges. We'll also have Mike Davis, and we'll talk with uh, Anthony Cabasa. And later on, I'll give you an update, uh, as I mentioned, on some of the telemedicine, some of the health care shifts, shifts that are happening, as well as um, some news on your taxes. Always good to find out some news on your taxes. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Mike Davis is joining us. Uh, Mike, welcome back to the program. I know you've got a lot going on, although I guess everything slows down whenever the the, uh, the, the uh, coronavirus hits there, it slows down. But maybe not because there's stuff going on in the House and Senate. And so, Mike, before we get to, I want to go back to Chuck Schumer. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, earlier this week, the New York Times had a piece, which is so crazy. I mean, you talk about stories about nothing. They have a whole story, the thrust of which is that um, Mitch McConnell and the Senate would like to confirm judges if possible when they're available. Like, you know, if you're old enough to retire, it would be a good time to retire. And, and you know, is there really a story here? I mean, I, I guess there's not. But I, I do suppose that people don't quite understand that. You know, in any given cycle, and I remember my judge, I clerked for a judge on the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. He, when George W. Bush won, he waited about a year and then he retired because he felt like it was right to give it back to a Republican judge. So are there many Republican judges left on Article 3 that could retire and give it back to a Republican judge? That's a better question, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the the new story out of this is is that President Trump has done 
such a remarkable job transforming the federal judiciary that we've run out of circuit court vacancies. And so what the article what what the article three research has shown is there are about 90 article three judges, including about 28 uh, judges on the critically important federal courts of appeals around the country who are these are Republican appointed judges from the three prior Republican presidents who are eligible to either. Uh, retire or they can semi-retire, which is uh, go senior. Uh, they have to be at least mm-hmm. 65 years old and be on the bench uh, for 15 years. Or if they're 70 years old, they could be on the bench for 10 years. And what semi-retirement or going senior means is, is that these federal circuit judges can still keep their four law clerks. They can still keep their full caseload. They can actually pick up more cases if they want to go visit other courts like district courts or other circuit courts around the country and help them with their backlog. And uh, the only difference is, is these senior judges, if they're not sitting on the three-judge panels, they don't get a vote on bond. They don't get a vote when the entire Court of Appeals votes on a case. And that but that doesn't, as you know, that doesn't... In this country, uh, on the federal courts of appeals, and you care about your successor, there is a short window of opportunity here. If you if you retire, if you announce that you're going to retire or go senior by about June 1st of this year, President Trump can replace you with a younger, reliable conservative. So that's the story. We, President Trump has done such a good job. He's done too good of a job. He's a victim of his own, his own success. He's run out of circuit court vacancies. Well, and and the and the truth is, um, um, what's just a little bit of surprise, and I, I remember us talk, um, you and I may be talking about it, or one of your team, and we should. Uh, I want to make sure to tell people Article Three Project dot org. If you go there, Article, and then the number Three Project dot org, you'll see a lot of Mike's work. Um, it is just simply true that a president tends to replace first his party appointees. So there's not a lot of Democrats who have sort of had to retire. There's, it's not like, uh, it's not like the, um, the, 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 uh, College of Cardinals where when you hit 80, you're, you're sort of pushed out. You can be replaced or 75, you can be replaced as a, as an archbishop or anything. 80, you can't vote as, as a cardinal. But, uh, so there, the president has actually replaced a lot of his own party, right? Is that, what are the numbers on that, Mike? Do you know? I'd have to go back and check, but if you go to Article 3, Article 3 Project has a website called JudiciaryTracker.com, JudiciaryTracker.com, okay. and it shows where the federal courts were on January 20th, 2017, when President Trump was inaugurated, and it, it, it pulls data from various federal databases and, and consolidates it and compiles it into one uh, website that we built at the Article Three Project, and, and you can see where we are on each one of these courts, where what the composition uh. of the courts were when President Trump took office, and where they are now. I mean, he's solidified the Supreme Court. He's flipped the critically imp- uh, he's flipped uh, from Democrat uh, uh, majority Democrat uh, appointed to majority Senate. Uh, re- excuse me, majority Republican appointed three courts of appeals, the second, third, and 11th circuits, and on like the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, that when, when President Trump took office, there were 11 more Democrats on the Ninth Circuit, the, the liberal, out-of-whack Ninth, Ninth Circuit, 11 more Democrats yeah. than Republicans. Now, it's down to just three, and when President Trump wins re-election, he could flip the Ninth Circuit to Republican, uh, majority Republican appointed, which no one thought was possible before President Trump. So again, if you go to JudiciaryTracker.com, 
you can look at the progress for for each course. Yeah, I've got, hey, I've got that open in my browser. That's really useful, Mike. I'm 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 I'm, I'm sorry to admit to you that I hadn't tracked that down through your site. That's a very useful tool right there, and and it's got it's got the basics if you want to see it. You go to it's judiciarytracker.com. It's the basics if you want to see sort of what happened, and then if you're kind of a nerd into it, you can dig way into the sort of districts and the different places. So that's that's very useful. All right, Mike, let me slide over. You're a veteran of um, of both the uh, both Justice Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, so I don't think anything surprises you. You lived through it in a way that most people won't know. I mean, I know when I read uh, the the book by Molly Hemingway and Carrie Severino, I thought, well, even even sort of one step inside that was Davis, who saw this. You're probably I know you were probably source on a lot of it, but Mike. Um, the Schumer attack a few weeks ago where he went after uh, Gorsuch and Kavanaugh by name. You know, I know you'll say, oh, it's totally inappropriate. We should censure. That's true. But were you even you surprised by that? Or at this point, do you think we're all the way down to the bottom and nothing is going to surprise us? Well, you know, with Senator Schumer, he's such a putz that I, I didn't think there would be anything that Senator Schumer, that the Senate Democrat leader did. That would surprise me, but he even stunned me by this. He went to a rally, an abortion rally, um, on the steps of the Supreme Court while the Supreme Court justices were hearing an, ab- an abortion case inside the building. I'll tell you, I clerked for justice courses. You could hear people outside on the steps screaming. So they're, they're on the steps screaming with this crazy abortion rally, and Schumer says this, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have unleashed a whirlwind and you will pay the price you won't you won't know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decisions um you know that is a clear threat against two supreme court justices if they don't rule schumer's way on a case i mean that's a felony i mean in any other world that would be a felony that you can't intimidate you you can't threaten judges based upon before they're ruling on cases but Again, in America, like we saw with the the referrals that for the people who lied during the the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, we have two systems of justice in America: one for the liberals and one for the rest of us. Yeah, and and I guess they you know they did censure, they did do some sort of motion to censure. It got some attention, and then they kind of all move. Everybody moved on. I, I suppose um, uh, it's uh, that was inevitable too. You know that the stomach to fight uh, by Republicans seems to kind of fade as things fade. Let me ask you a question that you probably didn't expect. Um, and if Ruth Bader Ginsburg retired, that's the way we'll say it generously. If she retired tomorrow. Do you think in this environment, uh, Mitch McConnell and the Senate would have the the stomach to to uh, replace her? Uh, what? Uh, well, I, I don't want to talk about a particular Supreme Court justice, but I would say if there's any okay. vacancy on the Supreme Court, there is no question that Senator McConnell, uh, Chairman Lindsey Graham, my former boss, Senator Chuck Grassley, there would be no question that they would fill that that seat this year. There, there is zero question about it. These people are, when it comes to judges, they have been rock-solid wingmen for the president, and there's no question they would fill a vacancy this year. 
Okay, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. I know that there's been discussion. We've heard uh, Mitch McConnell say similar, but it just seems like everything's heightened. And, of course, the media will make it into a, a, a bigger fight. All right, um, Mike, last last question. Uh, out in Missouri, where I'm from, and uh, in San Diego, where our show originates, uh, are, are people... How would you say people feel the benefit of the federal judges? You see it because you're an insider. I see it because I watch it. How do people, how would they, how would you say they'd feel the difference in these judges? Well, that's just it. I mean, it, we, we talk about these judges and it's very abstract. It's like, oh, this person's going to interpret the law strictly. And people out there, I'm from Iowa. I'm from the real world myself. And, you know, what, what does that <laughs> mean to real Iowans? And I would say this. Like, right. Let's say this. Let's say that you're a, my parents were uh, worked in the public schools in Des Moines. If you are a public sector employee and you're forced to belong to a union, one of the examples that is concrete is that with, with one of these Supreme Court rulings, the Supreme Court said it's a violation of the First Amendment for the for these unions to force their public sector employees to spend money on these political activities that they don't agree with. And so they have to now they have to set aside that money, whatever that percentage is, 10 percent, whatever the percentage is out of their paycheck. That is money directly into my, you know, you know, what would have been my parents paycheck before they retired. It's it's money into their pocket because of a Supreme Court that says we're not going to force the school teachers who are conservative or independent to support all these Democrat activities. Right. That's exactly. I, and, I, and there'll be other examples. I guess, I mean, that's one of the things I think is valuable about what you're doing, Mike. And again, Judiciary Track is really good, but uh, article3project.org, people that realize what the uh, value is. Uh, all right. Thanks, Mike. As always, I uh, appreciate it. Mike Davis, I'll put all this up on social media, and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Uh, be careful out there. Stay healthy. And we appreciate the insight. Uh, Mike Davis from the article3project.org uh, and uh, a lot more uh, to come on those judges. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America report we'll be right back let's beat corona we got this san diego the pro america report with ed martin on the answer san diego Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. One of my favorite things on this show is when folks uh, send me a tweet or an email or something they see, and they say, you ought to have this gentleman on uh, your show or this lady on your show. And so that happened in this case. <clears throat> Pardon me. One of our listeners uh, told me about this uh, gentleman. He's the uh, His name is Anthony Cabasa, and he is the state chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly of California. And uh, he got, he's got a great Twitter feed. Anthony, I have to tell you, it's a great Twitter feed. I like following it, and I've enjoyed it since somebody put me on to you. So welcome to the program, sir. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's great to have you on. And first of all, let me ask you about uh, um, the um, the response to uh, the uh, coronavirus and all this stuff. I mean, obviously, everybody's nervous. They have concerns and all. What's your sort of uh, reaction to what's happening? And, you know, in some ways, when you you talk about uh, California, we got Gavin Newsom. You talk about your role as chairman of the National uh, Hispanic Assembly. You've got, you know, Hispanic populations. How, how do you think this is going so far? Um, to be honest, I feel like it's being blown out of proportion. I mean, you know, if you look at the uh, statistics of the regular flu versus this coronavirus, but I, I mean, I think there's just a lot of misinformation everywhere, and I think that there are, um, you know, reports everywhere about oh, it's more deadlier than the flu, therefore we need to contain it. It's just really hard to kind of get a feel for what, what, how we should really be preparing for it. Is it really deadly? Who is it targeting? 
um, who is the most prone to it, you know? So it's just so many contradicting things, and it seems that the media is just not helping because uh, something that they're very notorious to be to do is they want to be the first to report it, not be the most correct in reporting it. And so it's really hard yeah. to kind of get a sense on things, you know? And so, of course, and it also depends on what, where your source is, right? So I got my mom listening to Spanish, you know, news, and she's telling me one thing. And then she's, you know, we have family that's misinformed, and they're sending group text messages, and, and their information is wrong. You know, it's just really everywhere, you know? <laughs> so well, and and, and one of the things I was going to... I was going to ask you about in your Twitter feed a day, uh, a couple days ago, anyone heard, you wrote, anyone heard from the churches, specifically mega churches, and then you wrote, <clears throat> excuse me, churches, people are looking to government in this time of need. It would be amazing to see the church unite and help those in need. I, 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 I want to ask you about that because I, I watch this. I'm not even talking politics. I'm talking with Anthony Cabeza, and, and he's, uh, he's um, uh, the uh, at conservative, at conserve Latino is a Twitter feed, which is what I'm looking at, and I'll put all this up on social media, and he's the chairman of the Republican National. Hispanic Assembly of California. But I, I, you know, I look around, I'm like, where's the faith leaders, right? We, we're waiting for our congressman or our senator to tell us some deep thought on how to behave. I, I'm looking for the archbishop or the cardinal or the leading pastor. I mean, I, I what? how does that, and, and you're coming out of the Hispanic Assembly where the role of faith is so central. What, are we, are we just missing something in this country right now? Yeah, that's exactly what, uh, you know, that tweet was in is that, you know, so many people look to government and, you know, I mean, I even, you know, look at my base of followers. A lot of us are Christian and Catholic and I'm like, why, you know, it's great that, you know, we do have a government that does look out for its people, but this is exactly what we talk about, right? This is what Donald Trump is notorious in saying that we, we have a faith in God, not our government. So this is now the time. This is the perfect opportunity to kind of restore that faith in our churches and our communities, kind of at the lower levels, right? And this is why I also mentioned the mega churches. You know, uh, I believe it was a, a flood at one point uh, where there was, you know, the article everywhere. Joe Olstein closes, uh, you know, doors to local church, and people were like, yeah. "Oh my yeah. God, I cannot believe this is happening," you know, and so. This is a time to kind of correct that image and kind of put it out there. You know, maybe the mainstream media isn't touching on it, but this is where they should be coming out and saying, hey, this is what we're doing for our communities. I reached out to my local pastor. There's no response yet. You know, um, it's just kind of lackluster in that sense where, you know, these are the perfect opportunities where people look to leadership. And it's great to maybe look to our governor and our president. Sure, of course but also to be looking to our local churches. What are we doing for the elderly? A lot of these churches, most of their constituents, most of their mem- church members are elderly people. So what are we doing for them, right? Um, and so I right. kind of proposed a few ideas to my church where can we be delivering you know, goods to them? Instead of having all the ch- church members go out, why don't we make a couple runs, a couple of us? You know, Maybe we can buy some gas cards, uh, you know, stuff like that where we can be helping people and, and delivering it straight to their house instead of having them, especially with the elderly being what seems to be the most prone to the coronavirus, right, is uh, elderly people with uh, chronic diseases. And so, you know, it's kind of been a little bit upsetting. I did get some response, some people saying that their local church is doing it, but these are small churches, you know, that, you know, are, are so hole in the wall 
I'm looking more toward, especially in the community, in the Hispanic community, these large Catholic churches that are notorious, that are, you know, have large funding, that are able to kind of think about, like, why aren't they communicating and kind of, you know, doing what they need to be doing, not for their leading for the community, restore that faith. Yeah. Right. I agree. Now, uh, if, and I, I'm, I'm, it's amazing. I'm doing not, no politics, and you're one, head of one of the important Republican uh, uh, political organizations. So I, I'm sorry. In a way, I'm sorry about that. But I want to ask you, I'm not even talking Republican politics yet. At least I'm going to politics. When Joe Biden stands up there and says, I'm going to appoint a black woman, I'm going to appoint a woman as a, how, how is it that Hispanics don't look up and say, like, we're down in the, in the, in the, in the only group lower than it feels like than Hispanics to me in the Democrat list is like black men. They like black men. We won't ever get to you. We don't care what you. I mean, but how does it not come across as like so insulting? Am I missing something? Yeah, well, polls show that younger Latinos, at least, are polling. uh, Bernie Sanders is polling a lot higher. There's actually a lot of infighting right now between the older generation of Hispanics and the younger generation because a lot of the older generation they own a lot of the nonprofits. You know, there's one called Latino Victory on Twitter. Uh, their blue verified right. checkmark account, and they're owned by Eva Longoria. That's, so that's Hollywood money pumping money into these uh, huh. uh, campaigns and, and, and donating to uh, Joe Biden. And so they actually just endorsed Joe Biden. And so there's a lot of uh, millennial Hispanics kind of saying, wait a minute, isn't this the guy that, you know, deported the most illegals? Why are we endorsing this guy? So there, people are kind of starting to see that hey, these guys are just pandering, you know, like these guys will just do anything for the votes. These guys in policy don't really help us out. And so that little infighting between the Bernie and the Joe Biden, that's gonna, I think that's going to really help the, the conservative argument where we where we kind of tell them, you see, we told you that it doesn't matter if the person is for them or not. These guys are all endorsing whoever buys them out. You know, so everyone's <laughs> right. you know, and so they're kind right. of starting to see that. So I, I make sure, you know, that I go on there and I'm like, you see, are we done? Are we done with the pandering? Are we done with yeah. what, what, what presidential nominees are going to say, whatever it takes to get the vote? Can we now go by policy? And if you go by policy, you'll see that Republicans and conservatives are a lot better for Hispanics than and have been up until now, of course, due to this virus, which was unforeseen. Uh, a circumstance, but up until now, these policies have been helping Hispanics. You know, you have unemployment at the low, record low. I mean, it, it, so many things. You know, GDP has grown within the households of Hispanics, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think this is going to really help that whole infighting between the Bernie Bros, uh, Latinos, and Hispanics, and the Joe Biden saying, "Okay, now we realize these people will say whatever it takes." you know, to kind of get the vote. Now we really need to stay, start paying attention to the policies rather than what they're willing to say to win, you know? Yeah, we're talking with Anthony Cabasa. And, and Anthony, now one real quick, I, I hate to do it, and I'll do it different than saying uh, President Trump or the Republican Party. California, mm-hmm. how, how, how do you, what's, the, what's the next couple of years feel like in terms of getting California turned in the right direction? You know what? Uh, there's a lot of numbers right now that show that California can go red 2020. Uh, we have 10 seats that are flippable, so my organization is going to be uh, hyper-focused on helping those 10 seats. We've sent out emails to all those 10 seats saying, how can the Hispanic Assembly get involved? How can we help fundraise? How can we help volunteer? How can we help register? California is 40% Hispanic. I mean, realistically speaking, that's really all we need to flip it red, <laughs> you know? Of course, right. we'd love to help by every single American, 
uh, out here. But that, uh, if we can focus on that with the Hispanic Assembly, just kind of hyper-focusing on them, that community talking about policy, helping these 10 seats, you know, put out policy in Spanish and in English, helping their their new their push out their content, their Twitter. I mean, I, I think you've seen maybe Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and even some other prominent uh, Democratic progressives that have even started social media in Spanish to kind of reach out to those right. Spanish speakers. And so we kind of right. need to get on the ball on that as well. We kind of need to leave that whole mentality of like, we're all American, we should only speak English. We need to get away from that because that's how the Democrats keep winning because they're using these tactics that are that are um, working with the Hispanic community, and maybe one day we will be at a point where we, we are all American and we are all English-speaking, and it's mandated that if you come into this country, you need to speak English. But until we get to them, uh, we need to be, again, focused on making sure that we are using the very same tactics. We're kind of reciprocating it because we need to draw them back into that conservative party. And so, again, the numbers, uh, even on the primaries, more people voted for Donald Trump than they did any other presidential candidate. And, of course, you're going to have people saying, oh, yeah, well, that's because he's the only Republican running. But then if you take a look at all the Democrats combined, sure, if every single Democrat voted for one Democratic president, that person will. But, again, we have a lot of infighting between the Joe Biden moderates and the very liberal progressive, right. uh, even Latinos, right. of voting. And there's a lot of people that I've talked to that are for, for Bernie because, you know, he's seen as an anti-establishment Democrat. He's yeah. seen as, as, as then they see Joe Biden. So a lot of the Bernie bros are not going to be voting for Joe Biden. They've already made it very public. Yeah. If you scan Twitter, <laughs> I've talked to many family members. I've talked to a lot of So just because... Joe Biden and Bernie combined beat Trump, it doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of yeah. Bernie Sanders are either going to sit it out or they're or, or, or not going to be voting or they're still going to ride in Bernie Sanders. And if Joe Biden is, uh, is uh, the, the guy to go, it's, it's not going to work out for them. And so I, I see a lot of hope, even just this year alone. But it's going to be chipping away at the local level, ch- uh, chipping away with the state assemblyman, chipping away with with uh, uh, congressional districts and every, everything in between. Right. Very good. All right. I got to run. Thank you. Anthony Cabasa, a great interview at Conservate, Conserve Latino, and also I'll put it up on social media, chairman of the Republican National Hispanic Assembly. Uh, good stuff. Appreciate it very much. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. The Answer San Diego, streaming now on iHeart.com and Radio.com. Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. On The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. I hope you enjoyed those interviews. That's a great character, that guy. Uh, we need to have him on more often. Anthony, uh, get it right, Cabasa. I mispronounced it in there. Cabasa. Anthony Cabasa. We'll have him on again. All right, let's get to uh, things and wrap things up with a little bit more good news. Good news is what we need. I have been saying to you how ingenuity, ingenuity will make things possible. Also, uh, as Rahm Emanuel taught us so well, never let a good crisis go to waste. And I hope you're seeing that the President of the United States is doing some things that will dramatically change how we live and work and have our being. Well, it's a little bit uh, sacrilegious, but how we live and work. And one of the biggest ways will be medicine. So today, in the midst of all this stuff, one of the things that came out was that the president offered a briefing in, in the briefing and said that the news, uh, one of the big news pieces of news was a complete uh, change 
and speeding forward of the rules on telemedicine. So I happen to know, because my wife's a geriatrics physician, internal medicine doctor, that telemedicine, you know, it's kind of stuck in the, um, stuck in the, oh, well, it, will it be worthwhile? How does it work? But one of the biggest motivators for getting it to work, there's two actually, two things to get it to work, not motivators, factors. Well, the two factors are, one, you can't practice across state lines. So if you're in West Virginia and you want to call a doctor in Virginia just a mile away, uh, 10 feet away sometimes, or you're in New Jersey and want to call a New York doctor or anything like that, can't do it because of te- the, the licensing. Well, the president has waived that and he's sort of made a rule, uh, made clear that we're gonna, they're going to allow that to happen, that you can basically practice medicine across state lines. A little bit like when they had these uh, state line limitations on buying insurance. They, you say to yourself, is that for the consumer? You know, is it for the consumer? No. It's for the insurance companies to hold you hostage. Healthcare insurance companies you end up with one insurance po- uh, carrier in a state like Missouri where I used to live. And they have total control. So in this case, telemedicine, the licensing requirements were not put in place for the benefit of the people, the patients. They were controlled by the uh, hospitals and others. So good for the president getting that out of the way. But the bigger one on telemedicine is so many things in life, but especially in medicine, are based on who pays. Because if somebody doesn't pay, it doesn't get done. So here's what today's announcement, President Trump said today, we're also announcing a dramatic expansion of our Medicare telehealth services. Medicare patients can now visit any doctor by phone or video conference at no additional cost, including the cut with commonly used services like FaceTime and Skype. Now, during this time, we will not enforce applicable HIPAA penalties. So the doctors can grace. So there's the, the problem with the the problem with the HIPAA HIPAA was requirements that would make it so you couldn't share across uh, the the telephone lines and things had to be in certain ways secure. And so, um, but here's the the CMS the the Medicare administrator Verma. Her name is Dr. Verma. She said the impact of the historic action simply cannot be overstated. In an emergency, those on the front lines shouldn't have to worry about federal rules and red. T- hamstringing them when they need flexibility. So here's what it's saying. Pete, you're going to be able to be at home. You're going to be able to be sick. You're going to be able to call up a doctor with FaceTime or Skype and get them on the phone. You're going to be able to say, I just took my temperature. I'm 101. I've got this cough. Look at me coughing. I can, what do you think, doc? And the doctor's going to be able to look at you, assess things and say, look, here's the things you should do. And here's what you should look for. So that you can say, if your fever stays at 102, even after you take an aspirin or a, a, a Tylenol and it doesn't break, then you need to come come in and see us or you need to rush to the emergency room. Or the doctor can say, take a deep breath. Let me see you take a deep breath. OK, you're having trouble breathing deep enough. Come to the come to the uh, ER or come to the office. Just this fact, telemedicine will change. It's a game changer. It's a game changer for people being able to triage And over time, it's going to be a game changer for people to get care. You're going to be able to call up your doctor or your nurse practitioner and say, look, I I got this, I got that or the other thing. What do I do? And a lot of things will be made better. A lot of things, a lot of care will be better. Still doesn't, by the way, still not going to replace in-person visits with doctors, but it's going to make a lot of pieces of full-on health care work better. It's a big breakthrough and it's a great one. It's a great thing to do. Great way to use the crisis to do things that are right. And in the short term, we'll learn. By the way, we'll learn if it doesn't work. If there's a big mistakes in telemedicine, we're going to learn. But the time you got to be willing to try, the right to try, is right now. 
The right to try and, and save people is right now. So that's great. All right, here's another announcement that came today. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin... He announced all taxes will be due July 15th, not April 15th. I guess there's a few exceptions. I guess there's a few exceptions that you'll have to do your returns. But most of them will be April 15th. Move from April 15th, 90-day delay, no no, uh, penalties, no uh, interest. Here's the thing. At this point, just buys you a little time. People keeping the money in their pocket, in their bank accounts, probably good. In the long run, it's probably good. Although, of course, the government needs the revenue, too, to be able to use it for all the things they're doing. But mostly, it's just one less thing to do. It'll spread out the things you have to worry about. Although, I was joking with my tax uh, my tax guy, my uh, our accountant that my wife and I use, that um, a lot of us that are home, we're finally going through our filing. You know, my wife is going through our filing, getting ready. I mean, maybe people will get their taxes done on time. But now that they've got this. So Mnuchin announced that. Again, common sense, smart thing to do, buy some time. Here's my point on this, that there's the government's going to get stuff out of the way, and then American ingenuity is going to kick in. And I'll tell you what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for some, I'm, I'm, maybe I'll start it. I'm waiting for some real ingenuity from our churches and our synagogues where they say, you know what, we're going out on patrol. We're going to, we're going to, what do we, I don't know what they could do. I mean, maybe not. Maybe they're going to just phone bank. Maybe the technology is able to say, hey, when you wake up in the morning, if you're in this such and such a parish or such and such a synagogue area, you're going to get a phone call from one of your neighbors saying, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Want to say a prayer? Want to start the day with prayer? I think that'd be pretty cool. And I think the technology exists in such a way that you could, again, you could probably have some... Oh, here's one. You want to hear one? I think the rules on robo-dials... In other words, I love to robo-dial a message. They're just wonderful to do. They're really cheap. You can. I know people say they're annoyed by them, but they work. And, and there's rules on it. Some states make it really hard to robo-dial because they have penalties and this and that and the other thing. They should throw them all out the window. We should have a robo-dial every darn day from celebrities, from Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks and his wife just got out of uh, the hospital, so they're doing fine. We should get a robo-call from Tom Hanks. He should say, hello, it's Tom Hanks. I'm out of the hospital. We'll do fine. Let's stick together. That would be awesome. So I, I'm looking for ingenuity. I'm looking for changing the di- the direction and the trajectory of what's going on. I want to see some people do some really exciting things, and and we'll see what we can do. We'll see what we can do. All right, that's uh, that's some. There's going to be ingenuity. You can't even picture coming. It's going to come from all different angles, all different sides. You're going to love what you're seeing. It's really going to be fun, and um, it's uh, it's the uh, uh, it's it's it's. As much as it's a scary time, the future, it's an exciting time to me because people are going to be making some serious changes. They're going to be making some serious um, actions. They're going to be thinking creatively about what's going on, and it's going to be really fun. It's going to be really fun to watch, and I think it will be helpful. I think it's going to be um, challenging, of course, and we want to be aware of that and be respectful of that. So I hope everybody's doing great. I hope we're finishing with a little energy. Uh, Tomorrow night, we've got some special uh, coronavirus 
uh, preparedness uh, programming, so I won't be with you. But we'll be back on Thursday night, and uh, we'll be back at it, and again on Friday night. So uh, stay tuned, uh, as always, to The Answer, and go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com to get all the things you need to know and follow our programming. As always, thank you to our fearless technical director, Noah. He has to put up with a lot because we're uh, out, out of the office, in the office, changing. People are doing stuff. He does an awesome job. Keeps me on track. Thank you to Joanna for helping book our great guests. And thank you, our listeners, as always, for listening to the program. Please uh, take a listen. Pass it on to a friend. Go to edmartinlive.com and sign up on our website. Uh, get your daily wink, daily wink in the, in the email box, in your email box. You'll get everything you need to know. And uh, look out for your friends. Stay strong. Be smart. Don't panic. But be vigilant. Look out for your friends. Head on a swivel. Head on a swivel. And we'll talk tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. Qualified Home Loans saves you money and pays...